Hey guys, thanks for tuning in today to the JTP Church Podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message. If you want to share with us what God is doing in your life, you can write us at hello at jtp.church. If you would like to partner with us and make a financial gift to our ministry, you can visit us at www.jtp.church and make a donation. Now sit back and enjoy the message. promises never fail. Come on, can somebody lift their right hand and say, my God never fails. Amen. Amen. Be seated. And as you're being seated, why don't you tell somebody close to you, my God doesn't fail. He's not going to fail you. (laughs) He's not going to fail you. Amen. It's an amazing Sunday. So many things going on today. First of which is that we got a chance to come and start our week off with God uh, and just worship him and get the week started off right. It's different if you start your week without God. For us that are used to coming to church every single Sunday, one Sunday you don't come to church, it's like, uh, something's missing. What is going on? All hell breaks loose, right? And, but when you start your week off with God and you say, God, I need you to be my God on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I need you. I need you. So I'm starting my week off with you. I'm giving you the first fruits of my week by coming here and worship. And your week is different when you started with God. Amen? Your your life is different when you have God. Today, we're going to be talking about the importance of serving. Amen? So ushers, you guys may shut the doors right now just in case somebody wants to sneak out. God, what do you want me to do? So I want to ask you guys, have you guys ever asked God that question? Raise your hand if you ever had, right? God, what do you want me to do? And I wish it would be so easy as God coming down and telling you, okay, step one, step two, step three. You know, that's the type of person I am. You know, just give me the formula. Give me, I could follow, I could follow. Give me the formula. But it's not as easy or at least it's not as visible. Taking time to listen to God. Maybe God's not going to tell you today, but he'll tell you Thursday. Or he'll, he'll give you the next step. And one of the most important things that we can do as people is serve God. Because every single human being has three basic needs in life every single human being that has ever been born that is alive right now has three basic needs first the need to be loved how many of you guys could agree with me that we all need to be loved right that's why we meet somebody that we fall in love with and that person we hope is going to love us for the rest of our life it's it's a need that we have and just as we have a need to love someone, we also have a need to be loved. Everybody say, I need to be loved. Tell the person next to you, I need to be loved. Take notes. I need to be loved. We have been wired this way. When God made us, he created us with this need. We need to be loved. We were created with the need to love as well. And the third need, which is what I'm going to focus on today, is the need to be useful or to feel useful. We have that need, that we can contribute, that we can make a difference, that what I have to bring to the table is going to make a difference somewhere or in someone. So I want to kick it off in the Bible, the book of Psalms chapter 100. Go with me really quick. Psalms 100 verse 2, and I'm going to read off the New King James Version. And it says, serve the Lord with gladness. Everybody shout gladness. You know, sometimes... We could fall into a mistake in thinking that serving God is a drag. 
It's like, oh, I have to serve God. And no, serving God is awesome, right? It, it, actually, the psalmist, which was a server himself, he said, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. So I want you to understand this from the, from the top. There is no better way to live your life than serving others. This guy, uh, a husband came to his wife and he's like, he tells his wife, I am mad. I'm livid. I'm, that's it. This has to stop. This has to stop. The wife was like, what's going on? What, what happened? Something happened at work? And he's like, no, it's just that it, it's, it's got to stop. I'm so mad. We've been married for 10 years and my father still pays our rent. And my mother still buys the groceries and buys our food. And my sister still drives us everywhere we have to go. And the wife looks at him and saying, I'm glad you are mad because neither of your two brothers are doing anything for us. <laughs> and maybe this is an, ex uh, an exaggeration, but we are living in times where like never before in history, we feel entitled. We feel entitled to things. We want things free. We want BOGOs, right? We want buy one, get one. We, we want free stuff. What can you do for me, right? What can you do for me? And, and if we're not careful, you see, that, that's not what God teaches. If you go to the Bible, it's not what others can do for you. It's what you can do for other people. So here it's telling us that we have to serve God with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. So there's no better way to live life, everyone, than serving people. It's awesome to live your life that way. How can I serve you? You know, married couples, that, that's what marriage should be about. The husband serving the wife. The wife serving the husband. When each of them serves the other, things work beautifully right? Things work to perfection. When, when you have a friend, you're not looking to see what I can get out of this person. I'm not looking to use you. No, I want to pour into you. And by him, me pouring into you, that's going to cause them to pour into me. And, and that's a beautiful way, the way God intended for life to be lived. There's no alternative route to a life filled with joy than living this way. God made us this way. So I dare to say that if you feel sad, if you're feeling upset, maybe depressed or oppressed, the first thing you should check is your level of service to others. And I'm serious about this. If you're feeling down, if you're feeling a bit sad, if you're feeling um, upset, check to see how is your level, how is your meter, where is your meter when it comes to serving other people. Sometimes we're like, well, they did this to me. How could they? I did this and they didn't do anything for me. And me, me, and my, my, and me, 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 and my, my, my. And we're focused internally when God called us to focus on others. Everybody say, God called me to focus and serve others. Amen. So when we come to Christ and we have this uh, supernatural encounter, we call it being born again. And I pray that everyone here has had that encounter. For those that are watching us from home, I pray that you have had this encounter. If not, at the end of the service, please stick around because we're going to do a prayer. And I'm going to give you the opportunity to respond to this invitation of Jesus coming to live inside your life and directing your path. I mean, that's, that's crazy. To, to know that God, the creator of the universe, can come live inside of you and guide you through life 
It's incredible. So it's, it's a supernatural experience. Even though you don't see anything out of the, out of the norm, you don't, you're not going to see the ground tremble or anything like that. But the Bible says that through faith we receive this promise that God comes to live inside of me. And whenever this genuine transformation, which we call being born again, happens, there's, also, there's always a response to that. And the response to that answer to God is, Lord, what can I do for you? Always following a genuine encounter with God, there should arise this question where you ask God, look, man, I realize how amazing you are. I realize what just happened. You gave your son to die for me. He, he, he gave his life on the cross. Was, he bled himself to the last drop of blood for me, for my sins. Man, I'm so grateful. God, what can I do for you? If you haven't come to that realization, if you haven't come to that point where you say, man, God, you've already done so much. What can I do for you? If you haven't gone to that point, then maybe you really haven't had a true encounter with God, a true personal encounter. And I want to share with you a story in the Bible that many of you guys probably know about a man that was going the opposite direction. Because sometimes when we're leading our lives and doing life without the direction of the Holy Spirit, without, without asking God, you know, what do you want me to do this day? What, how do you want me to do? How can I improve my... When we do life on our own, without knowing, we could be going on the opposite direction from where God wants us to go. So that's what was happening to this guy called Saul. So go with me to Acts chapter 9, verse 1. Again, we're reading the New King James Version. And it says, Then Saul... Still breathing threats and murder. I mean, this guy was radical. Either way, right? He had a change, and we're going to read about that now. But this guy was radical. He was all in. He was a Jimmy Butler type of guy. You know what I mean? All the way, right? So he says, still breathing threats and murder against who? The disciples of... This guy wanted to kill. Okay, he's breathing threats and murder against the followers of Jesus, against the disciples of the Lord. He went to the high priest and he asked for letters to the synagogue of Damascus, that's the city that he was traveling to, so that, he, so that if he found any who were of the way, capital W, talking about disciples of Christ, anybody that was following God's way, whether men or women, then he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And he wasn't going to bring them just, uh, you know, have fun. He was going to bring him to kill him. And verse 3 says, as he journeyed, he came over Damascus. And suddenly, when he was about to do this and looking for people who he could just kill, suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. And then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? Notice that he realized that, man, this is not something that happens to you every day. This, this is God. This is somebody from above. I don't know what's going on. But the way he says, who is this, Lord? He knows that you don't mess with this guy, right? It says, another version says that the light that shone was brighter than the sun. So here it is in the middle of the day in the desert, because they were in the middle of the desert. All of a sudden, a light shines so bright that it knocks him off his donkey. And, and, and he hears a voice from the light. He can't bear to look at the light. But he hears a voice that says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he says, 
he responds to that light saying, God, who are you, Lord? And then the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the, the goads. So he trembling and astonished, guys freaking out, he says, Lord, what do you want me to do? Again, he comes to this point and this realization that every single one of us, I mean, none of, none of us probably saw that huge light and had God speak to us the way he did. But we've all had our encounters. Maybe, maybe God has met you in your broken place. Maybe God met you in, in the middle of a disease. Maybe God met you when you were uh, looking for yourself, trying to find yourself. And, and wherever you would look, it was, you couldn't find yourself until you find yourself in Jesus. Or maybe God met you in a severe financial crisis. And through his provision, he, he met you. That was the light that shone. Well, in his case, it was a natural light or a supernatural light. And when it hit, the first reaction, which should be every single one of our reactions, is, Lord, what do you want me to do? You see, he, he felt, and this is crazy, he was going full on to kill Christians. And now he meets the founder of the Christians. He meets Jesus. And Jesus say, hey, it's not that way. It's this way. Now, if I was Saul, I'll tell you what I'd be thinking. I'm like, I'm dead. That's it. It's a, I'm gone. See you. Uh, right? See you. That's it. This is my last day. Uh, I mean, I've been killing your people. I, I don't know what else to do. That's it. I'm done. He's, he's going to torture me. He's gonna, it's going to be bad. It's going to be bad. So let's get it over with quick. But God did not do that. And this is, this is how God is crazy and how he does things. He says, look, that same passion that you have, let me just turn you 180 degrees, and now you're going to be for me instead of against me. I'm not here to condemn you. And that's what John says in John 3, 17. He says, for the son didn't come to condemn the world, but so that the world would be saved through him. So this is what God does. He grabs a person. He was totally doing the opposite of what he should have been doing. But he has an encounter with God just like you and I have had. And all of a sudden, God says, look, I can use that passion. But there has to be a willingness. So he said, Lord, what do you want me to do now that I realize that my 40 years that I've been living, I've been living the wrong way? Or my 50 years, or my 30, or my, or my 15 years. And he told them, the Lord said to him, arise and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. If you go to Acts chapter 22 verse 10, that's, uh, that's Saul. He's telling other people now, more time has passed, and he's telling people about his experience of what happened this day. And he says it this way. So I said, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, arise and go into Damascus, and there you will be told all things which are appointed for you to do. Everybody say appointed. So I started digging a little bit into what does this mean that God appointed? something for him to do and appointed is just something that's been set it's been determined God has set a place for you God has determined and assigned you to a place I want you to say this with me say God has assigned me to a place and that's my first point today God has assigned you to a place God has assigned you to a field there's a place where you do life I'm not part of that place probably. I don't work where you work. I don't live where you live. 
But you have a place that you have been assigned. And it's not a coincidence that you're there. It's not a coincidence that you're in that school, that you're working, that you're living there. Everything has a divine purpose. So God has assigned you a place. And I want to guarantee every single person that's here that we all have a place that God has assigned us to. Hello. Every single one of us, we all have a place that God has assigned us. God positioned us specifically with a divine purpose in a specific place to use us in that place. And that's when God has given you an assignment, he, he put you in a territory. It's a place where you're going to be growing. It's a place where you will serve him. It's a place where you're going to be planted, uh, where, you, where you will find your identity. And you are part of a beautiful, imperfect, growing family called JTP Church. JTP Church. I love JTP. I am JTP. You are JTP. JTP is not a building. JTP is not uh, an organization, even though it is. But JTP is made up of people. We are JTP. If you wouldn't be here, there wouldn't be any JTP. And the Bible, as a matter of fact, the Bible compares, um, Bible compares the church to a body, to a physical body. Right? And in a physical body, you see me here. I'm, I'm visible. You, you see my, my fingers. My, there's, there's things that you can see. There's other things that you can't see. But they all work together so that I could function today. Let me use this illustration. When a young man is trying to, you know, he's trying to court a young lady. And he comes up to her and he's working on his lines. He's never going to tell her, you have the most incredible liver I have ever seen. I mean, your lungs just pop out at me, right? <laughs> Doesn't work that way, right? Because those things aren't what? They're not visible. What are the things that stand out the most? Well, the eyes, right? The first thing you see is the eyes or a smile. Somebody's smile just could light up a room and you're like, wow, what a beautiful smile. It just it caught my eye. But a liver will never catch your eye. But think about this. If you lose an eye, you can still live. If you lose two eyes, both of your eyes, you can still live. If you lose your liver, see ya, you're gone. So what does that say? Because God compares the church to a body. And you know what? Like I said, I'm visible here. You guys see me. I'm the pastor. You guys see the worship team. They come up here and they were leading worship beautifully, you know, leading us to the presence of God. We, we see Marcus when, he, Marcus when he gets into it, Leani, and we see Natalie banging on the drums and Carlos striking his chords and Juan doing his thing there, multitasking and leading and, right? And, and, and you're, they're visible. But let me tell you, there's people that are not visible and if they wouldn't be doing what they do, we wouldn't be having church right here, right? So everybody, everybody has a field. Everybody has something that God has deposited in you. And the important thing, whether visible or not, because the important thing is that God sees you. And God sees visible and invisible, right? He sees everything. He knows the intentions of the heart. I mean, the important thing is that you understand that when God calls you, you're not like that wife that said, well, your two brothers aren't doing much for us, right? Because sometimes we feel entitled. 
And we think that we come to church just to receive. And that's, that's okay. We, we do receive. I receive when I come to church. I love worshiping with the team. And, and I love seeing people serve. That ministers to my life when I see people going through heartaches that I know they're going through because I've spoken to them or they've shared. We pray together. And I still see them serving. Man, that, that encourages me, right? That, says, that gives me strength and say, wow, this person is really trusting God. They're not just playing church. They trust God. So it, it, it blesses us. But there comes a point in our time where we don't just receive, but we say, God, what can I do for you? What can I do for you? I want to serve you. Amen. So I'm here today because of the grace God has given specific people. You, you see me right here, and I'm, I'm a pastor. I'm the pastor of JTP. But what you see is a lot of investment of different people in my life. Let me start off with my parents. Um, I grew up in a Christian home. Many of you guys know that. But since I was little, you know, my parents would take me to church when they were, my father was a preacher in a church, not a pastor. He was a preacher. And I remember we would always go to church and we would worship and we would go. And then when my father, when that church closed, God called my father and we started a ministry. It was a small church. I've, I've seen I've seen my parents, and I shared in the first service, I remember vividly, we used to have here in Tamiami Trail, 8th Street, uh, and I think 80-something, there, there's um, some stores, storefront. We were on the second floor, and we had a little 20-member congregation there. We used to rent a space there. And I remember that on certain revival nights, let's call them Friday revivals, my dad and my mom would go up, I, I, was, I was little. My sister was probably two, three, uh, kind of like Luca and Mia. And, and my dad and my mom would go up, grab heavy speakers. They would bring them down the stairs, put them into the van. We used to have a van. We used to preach. We, they used to go to shopping centers, call it like Walmart. Or, and, and they used to just, my, my dad did like a platform on top of a van. Right, And he used to go on top of the van, put the speakers on top of the van. I don't know how my dad and my mom would do that. But they would start preaching. And then when the cops would come, they would take off. Right? Uh, but they would preach. And people would gather around. And, and I saw when my father would put the tents all over South Florida. One of those revivals were nine months long. Monday through Sunday. Every single day. No days off. All right, No days off. And some of you guys... Got saved. A lot of people from, from that time got saved and are still with us. Um, and I saw the effort and, and all of that. That was an investment in me. I am who I am because of a lot of what they deposited in me and what they showed me through their example. Let me introduce you to Yolanda. I was six years old. Cece was probably one year old. And we used to attend the church. This is the church that eventually closed and whatnot. But I remember we would always sit in the first row, second row. And I remember seeing Yolanda. Yolanda used to play the guitar. And I used to watch her and I'm saying, man, that is so cool. I like the guitar. And Yolanda would play the guitar and we would worship God. And then after the service, Yolanda would grab her pick and she would leave her pick on top of a piano. There was like a, a, a piano there. It was a small church, but they had a piano. And I remember more than once I would say, oh, nice pick. Five-finger discount. See ya. <laughs> and I'll keep it. Nasty devil trying to steal my purpose, man, since I was six. <laughs> uh, but, but she, through her service and through what she did, impacted me. And I used to watch her and I'm like, man, that's so cool. She plays the guitar. 
And then when my parents, at that time, my father used to be a cook in La Carreta, um, the one on 8th Street, and my mom used to be a waitress. And they used to make pretty good money back in the days. It was in the 80s, late 80s. And I remember that when God called them to the ministry, they left everything to trust God living on $125 a week with a small congregation of about 20 people. And I remember that during that time, uh, my parents invested and they would bring Erika. Erika was a lady that would teach me, come home and give me classes to play the guitar. So Erika will come home once a week and she will teach me, you know, the basis of chords and she will teach me the basis of guitar. People that have impacted my life. Not to mention all the Sunday school teachers that, man, week after week, every single Sunday class lesson that they imparted, man, blessed my life. What about the youth leaders? My youth leader was David Perez. He impacted my life through his service, through his life, through how God used them. And, and today I am, you know, the product of a lot of people's investment that were willing to say, God, how can I serve you? And, and they were willing to put in the time and say, God, here, this is what I have. This is the grace that you've given me, and I'm not going to keep it to myself. I'm going to share it. And, you know, it made me who I am today. And today I thank God for all the people that are serving. We have, we have teachers that even through the pandemic, man, they're recording their classes online so that your kids could every week receive a class and be blessed and and devoting, not that parents shouldn't train their kids and teach them about the Word of God. That's a parent's responsibility. We just partner with you, right? But, but I love that what people put and what people use, the grace that God's given, when they put it in God's hands, it translates into building up people that the day of tomorrow are going to continue to serve others the way they've been served. So what can happen when you invest your life in others is something that just can't be calculated. You will never know how far what you do for, Lord, for the Lord and for other people can go. You don't know in your life group, it could be the next Billy Graham. You don't know if in your life group, it could be the next Kim Walker. Or, or if you're just, you don't know who you are building up. You don't know with the grace that God's given you, who you are blessing. And that's why... This desire to feel useful. Man, we need to get to a point where we say, God, I, I'm, I'm uncomfortable. And I pray the Holy Spirit gives you a feeling of holy uncomfortableness when you come to church. Saying, all I come here is to receive. Man, it's even hard sometimes as a pastor getting people to come to receive. But you know, God wants a lot more for you. God wants you not just to come to see what you can get because there's something supernatural that happens when you start serving God and saying, God, the little that you've given me, the grace that you have given me, I want to give it back. And I want to share it with people. Look what Mark 9, 41 says. If anyone gives you even a cup of water because you belong to the Messiah or because you belong to the Lord, I tell you the truth, that person will surely be rewarded. Listen to me. It's talking about serving somebody because they were thirsty. You just gave them a cup of water. See, what this tells me is that God rewards every time you do something. When you're serving God and you're doing it with the right intention, there's reward in it. 
It blesses you. It takes your life to a different level when you give back and you bless other people. Man, a hug. Just by hugging people. And I know the whole social distancing now is just messing up our hug life, you know. <laughs> but a kiss, uh, a smile can change somebody's life. There's some people that just with the smile, they just light up the room. And they're like, man, that's a grace. Other people, man, you tell them to smile, they're like, no, that's not your ministry, bro. You know what? Uh, well, media team, or maybe you could go to something else, but because that wasn't the grace that was given to them, right? But with what God has given you, when you, when you start to use it, it blesses other people. A gesture of love, bringing food to somebody that you know is sick and probably can't get out of his bed or her bed. You know how many thoughts people have when they're just looking at the ceiling and, man, how long is this going to last? They, people get depressed. People, it, it's a difficult situation. But something that you can do is say, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm going to cook something up for this person and I'm going to show them how special they are. Man, you, God can use you to get somebody starting to believe, to, to get somebody's faith back to where it should be. Helping someone who got a flat tire. You're driving, you got places to go, people to meet, things to do. But all of a sudden you see somebody and say, you know what, I'm going to do the right thing. I don't know this guy. You, you know what an impact you have on a person just by doing that? Not everybody does that, especially not nowadays. I say, man, you don't even know me and you just stop and you're going to help me. Why? What do you get in return? No, I'm not doing it for what I get in return. This is the right thing to do. I'm serving you. Amen? So everybody say, God has given me a field. God has placed me in a field, in a territory. And you know what? The same God that placed you in that field has put other people in that field as well. Everybody say, God has put people in my field. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. Now I'm, living, now I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. It says, and Apostle Paul saying this to the Corinthians, he says, we will not boast about things done outside of our area of authority. We will boast only about what has happened within the boundaries of the work that God has given us. You see, God has given you a territory. And they knew this. They knew that God gave them a boundary of things and, and God would guide them and tell them to go here. This is, this is your assignment for this season. You're going you're gonna to do this. You're going to build up the church in Rome. You're going to build up the church in Corinth wherever it is, and he continues and adds, which includes our working with you. You see, Paul had the revelation that in that season when he's writing this, part of the work and part of the field that God had given him to work was with these people, the Corinth. So he's writing them and he says, look, our assignment right now during this season, it could change tomorrow, but during this season, you guys are included in the work we're doing. So in that field that God assigns you, God also places people that you can influence and bless with what God has given you. Hello. Every single one of you guys right now has something given by God that God wants to use for his glory to bless many people. Right now. So you don't have to go so far. You don't have to travel to look for people. You don't have to even sometimes even talk to them every day. You, it's because you, you work with them. You talk to them. You drink coffee with them. You could even be eating with them inside your home. People that you could bless. People that you could make an impact. And do you know why you are sitting here today? You're sitting here because God has called you. 
And you're sitting here because God has chosen you. Whether you want to believe that or not, it's in the Bible. God chose you and God wants to use you. Even before you respond to this call, he had already assigned you a field and poured his spirit, given you your portion, a portion of his spirit in you so that you could carry out his assignment. The beauty of all this is even though he chose you, he also gave someone an opportunity to bless you. You see, the reason why you can bless other people is because you were in somebody else's field. And thank God that that person wasn't thinking just of themselves and said, you know what, I'm going to start my life group and I'm going to pour of what God gave me, the grace that God has given me, into this person's life. And I'm sure that you're sitting here, at least most of you, because there was somebody that prayed with you. There's somebody that challenged you. Maybe you didn't even know that they were praying for you. There's somebody that week after week took time to sit down with you and share the word, share the life group lesson and say, look, God loves you. This is what God wants to do. You're special. You don't have to live life this way. There's hope in you. You are here because somebody let themselves or allowed themselves to be used by God with the favor and the grace that God had given them so that you could be here today. Now the question is, what are we going to do? Are we just going to say, oh, thank you, God. It's so good. Are we, are we going to be like the wife of this guy that says, okay, let's see who else can do something for me. We need to change the mentality when we come to church that it's just seeing what God can do for me. Because you know what I've discovered in all my years of being and walking with God? I've discovered that the greatest things that God does and the most incredible blessings are un unleashed when I'm serving others. You know when breakthrough really happens? Where you're not going after the blessing, but you're serving people. Because the more you go after blessings, the, the farther they get and the farther they seem to be. But when you start serving other people and serving the needs of the kingdom, that's when God starts serving your needs and you start seeing things open up. That's the way it works. So you are here because of the faithfulness of imperfect, flawed people who go through struggles and problems just like you, but who, despite all that, decided to obey God and saw potential in you. Can we give it up for those people? Can we give it up? I have mine. You have yours. But we honor them. We honor them today. Can't imagine the difference God can make in a person. Sometimes by simply inviting somebody just for a coffee and saying, hey, you know what? I've been seeing this person and I don't know, God's put a burden in my heart for that. I'm going to invite them to coffee. So, because I feel that God put, God wants, want, God wants me to tell them something. Or if, if it's somebody that doesn't know about Christ, God impressed in my spirit that I need to share the gospel with this person. Let them know that God loves them. And that God has a plan and a purpose for you. Man, you know, I think that the true advances of the kingdom of God don't happen in the church. I think they happen out there in the street. When you, when you start taking the gospel outside of the four walls and, and saying, look, I'm going to invest in this person. I'm going to invite this. I'm going to tell this person that Jesus loves them. I'm going to ask this person if they want to join us in the life room or if I could pray for them because I know that they're going through a difficult situation or somebody in your job got laid off and you know they're, they got a family and what's going to happen now and just giving them a call and say, hey, you know what, can I pray for you? 
Because I know you're probably going through something, but I know a God that can sustain you even through the worst of crises, right? I think we all have people that we can reach out and serve one way or another. It's in the streets that the greatest advances of kingdoms of the kingdom are made. It's in life groups that God's life penetrates wounded and hopeless hearts, bringing his life. We get excited when the miracle of new life happens in church, right? Yeah, people gave their lives to Jesus. But what happens after the service is what really advances the kingdom of God. It's what really builds disciples and gets people into serving and understanding that that God has put something in you that he wants you to share with others. It's out there where the pastor can't see you. No one but God can see you there. But he's watching. And he's, he's there. And just like we read, he rewards all those who serve. It's where the livers and the kidneys and the lungs do their thing with excellence to keep the body healthy and working properly. That's just a small sample of what can happen when you recognize someone that God put in your field and you decide not to ignore it and overlook it. And I want to finish off by saying this. That God not only assigns you a field, not only does God put people in that field that only you can touch and you could influence, but God also gives you supernatural favor. God gives you favor and every single one of you guys has, has favor of God in some form or way. My favor may not be the same one as yours. Like I said, you know, some people that have a beautiful smile for the welcome team. <laughs> Other people that they have another ministry, right? Another calling, another grace, another favor. But all of us have something. Join me in the book of Galatians chapter 2, verse 9. And it says, and when James, Cephas, and John who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that had been given to me. Everybody shout grace. When they perceived the grace that, I, that has been given to me, they gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. So here is these, uh, this trio, James, Cephas, and John, and they see that the author of Galatians, when they saw the grace they said, man, we got to send this guy to the Gentiles. He has grace for the Gentiles. You know, we're, oh, we, you know, we speak to, we speak to the Jews. You know, that's the lingo that we speak. But this guy, man, this guy's crazy. He, he, he uh, for the Gentiles, he makes himself Gentile, right? Apostle Paul, you know, for, for the heat lover, he makes himself a heat lover. You know, for the Lakers lover, hey, you know, uh, he makes it whatever in order to speak to people and reach people. And bring them into the ways of the Lord. So they noticed a grace. And I want to tell you here that every single one of you guys here have a grace. Has a grace given by God. You have something special that no one else can do like you. You have something special because God will never give you a territory. God will never give you a field. Put people in the field and not give you grace for it. Doesn't make sense. But God, the fact that you don't know what the grace that God has given you is, doesn't mean that God has not given you but everyone here has a grace given by God. And when you start using it, others will recognize it. Just as these three people, James, Cephas, and, and the other guy that I forget his name. Uh, just as they recognize the grace that was on Apostle Paul, other people are going to start to recognize the grace. In this season, it's been a little bit over a year since um, you've been senior pastors. And I've, I've noticed how 
and I've been on the lookout because it's something you got to look. But there's people that have incredible grace for different things and different areas of the ministry. And, and we're a body. And, you know, God, God will never lift up a body that is, uh, that's missing a leg. Everything God does is perfect. It's just that everybody needs to understand that they have a grace and be willing to invest themselves and invest time in serving people. It's a grace that will help you do with excellence what God assigned you to do. And that grace is what's going to open doors of opportunity for you. The Bible says that if you're faithful in the little. Everybody say, if I'm faithful in the little, God will take me too much. Some people want the much, right? Say, Lord, I am willing to serve you. Prepare for me the stadium. I'll speak to all those 100,000 people. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> no, you got to start. Start it from the bottom. Now I'm here, right? Is that how it goes? Start from the bottom. That's biblical, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that was inspired by scripture. Who knows? You have to start. And God trusted you. Gives you favor and grace for something small. And you show God, man, I I'm not going to do 50 things. I'm going to do one thing. I'm going to be the best at this. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to be part of the welcome team. I'm going to give the best mile, even though it is stormy on the inside. I'm, it's going to be sunny on the outside. My smile is going to light up everybody's life that comes in there because that's my grace. Or maybe it's not that. Maybe you're just, you're just techie. And you, could, you, could have, you have grace for social media and you have grace for other things. And we need everything in the body of Christ. But when you start using yours, whatever, as little as it may be seen, and you're faithful, then God can take you to the much. But it starts from the bottom. If you serve with a desire to exalt God and not exalt your name, if you do things for the right reason and not so people can see you, if you're building God's kingdom and understand that it's not about building your kingdom, then God will use you extraordinarily extraordinary because God he's not looking for perfect he's not looking for huh, a certain breed of people no 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 God just wants willing hearts and people that will love him enough to look up and say God you've already done enough for me what can I do for you God what would you want me to do and God is looking for people now in 2020 that don't have an entitled mentality that say God you know, even if you don't do one single thing more, which is not the case, because the Bible says that God, we just read it, He rewards those who serve. But let's say that God won't give us anything else. God's already done enough. What dollar amount can you put to salvation? What dollar amount is there for salvation? Like to, people pay extraordinary amounts of money just to look five years younger look 10 years on you. Let me get rid of this. Let me get rid of that. Let me stretch this and stretch that, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. Look good. But if it costs so much money to do that, how much would it cost to have eternal life? To be guaranteed that you're not going to spend your eternity in hell, which exists according to the Bible. A lot of people don't like to talk about that, but hell exists. But heaven also exists. And Jesus loved us so much to send the Son, Jesus, so that we won't have to spend eternity in hell. So that through understanding that we're flawed, 
we repent from our sins, we turn our eyes to Jesus and say, forgive me for my sins. I don't deserve it, but write my name in the book of life and give me a second opportunity. And God in his grace and mercy says, done. As a matter of fact, I don't even remember your sins. It's in the past. What is the response that can come when you truly understand the magnitude of that? But Lord, what can I do for you? You've already done so much. What can I do? For well, you know, for a start, you can start saying, God, what's the grace? What's the grace that you have given me? Try out new things. I always tell people, man, when, they're, when they don't know what they're good at, <laughs> try new things. Join a department. Start the next steps. Try something. If, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. That's not your grace. Maybe along the way, you'll find something that you'll fit in. But you can't just stay sitting down and just receiving when God has called you. And there's so much more for you to, to reach and to do. And it's only going to come through service. So these three things, as I finish up, the field that God assigned you, the people that God put in your field, and the grace that God gave you, they work together in such a way that none of us who are here are insignificant to God. No one. I want you to look at the person closest to you and tell them you're not insignificant to God. No, you're actually important. God loves you. And if you're breathing, you have favor and you have a field and there's people in your field. There's people you talk to every day. And there's grace in you so those people can see Jesus in you. And you don't have to know the whole Bible to tell somebody Jesus loves you. Or to tell somebody, look, I was messed up but I came to Jesus and now my life has been turned upside right. I'm doing well. I was depressed. And now, and that speaks greater than any chapter that you can memorize. It's about what God did in your life and sharing it and talking to people. So when you get to the point that you surrender your plans to him and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? That's when God starts supplying your needs. That's when you start seeing God's provision supernaturally. Come and saying, wow all this time trying to get this for myself and the minute I just gave up and said God I'm leaving that to you I'm just going to focus in kingdom stuff God help me be the person that you want me to be help me bless all those that I'm called to bless help me be work my field correctly help me be passionate God to direct my path once you start doing that you start seeing God's favor you start seeing God open doors you start seeing the business popping and open doors contracts coming in and you realize that it's not you're doing but it's, there's a grace, there's a favor of God in everything you do. The Bible says that Joseph, everything he touched, God prospered. Why? Because he's a, he was a guy that followed after God's heart. Even when he was sold as a slave by his own brothers. Even when he was thrown in the pit by his own brothers. Even when he was put in jail for doing something that he really didn't do. Sometimes it feels that, you know, we've unjustly been treated and and we have this victim mentality, but he kept trusting God. And the Bible says that wherever, whether he was in prison, whether he was as a, serving in the house of the, of the slave master, everything he touched, everything he did, God prosper. And when you have an attitude of servanthood, everything you do will prosper. The people that you touch will prosper. You will build disciples that will be healthy, that will serve God, that will do amazing things. And you'll delight when you grow older saying, wow, look, God gave me an opportunity because sometimes you don't see it when you're doing, when you're right there answering calls at two in the morning that somebody's like having a crisis. You don't see it there. 
But let time pass and you see what God is doing through the people that you've touched. And you'll say, man, it was all worth it. Look at what they're, look how many souls they're touching. And I get credit for those. The Bible says that. You get credit for all the souls people touch. Those people that you poured into. When God's kingdom, which is people, becomes your obsession. When God's kingdom becomes your priority, that's when you'll see God's supernatural provision. And as you become passionate about the needs of the kingdom, God will start supplying yours. Let's stand. And I pray that you don't lose this connection that we have here. I believe that God's speaking to many of us. Pushing us a little bit, but that's good. When God pushes you, that means he loves you. If he wouldn't care about you, he would just leave you how you are. He says, Ayatu, <laughs> we say in Spanish, right? Do your own thing. No, God, God wants the best for you. So check this out. Call for action. What are we going to get out of this? Use the grace that God has given you to impact people that God has assigned in your field. Right now, there's people in your field. There's people in your field. There's people that you do life with. If you go to school, there's people that sit next to you in school or that Zoom with you or you have, you have neighbors. You live next to people. You have friends you hang out with, right? You, you, go, you go doing groceries someplace. You, do, you cut your hair. You go to the barber shop. We have a territory. We have a place that's been assigned. And there's people in there. And as part of this body called JTP, we are growing. Listen, I was telling the first service that since we, we opened five or six weeks ago, every single week, we've been growing and growing and growing and growing and growing. Every, every single week. That's a good thing. But just as we grow as a church, we need to grow service. Because God is not, I mean, we're not called to be just believers or fans. We're called to be disciples. We're called to say, God, I'm here, but with a purpose. And yeah, I, I realize that sometimes when you're new to church, sometimes I think most of the people come to church broken. And God fixes us. And, and, and that's a process. But it gets to a point where you say, man, I'm not where I used to be. God's already done something. And I have something I can share with other people. And you start doing it. And you realize that God will start fixing your messes quicker as you serve others than if you wait for God to finish fixing your mess, which will never happen if you don't serve. We're growing. God needs the grace he has given you to impact people and to make a difference.